You are Locked On Balls, your daily Tennessee Volunteers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Balls, your team every day. My name is Josh Ward. Thank you for being here on today's show. Today's show will be a mix of Tennessee basketball and football as usual as Tennessee's basketball team is now moving past the loss to Kentucky this past Saturday and getting ready for a game tonight. Tennessee will be at home against Vanderbilt tonight at 7 o'clock. Tennessee is a big favorite in that game. Opening is about a 19, 19 and a half point favorite over the Commodores. Remember a few weeks ago, these two teams went to overtime. Tennessee is hoping for a different kind of outcome with a win tonight over Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt still winless in SEC play. We'll get to that in segment number one as Rick Barnes will talk about his team being focused on rebounding from the loss to Kentucky and also maybe improving on defense. Why have the Vols struggled at times on the defensive end? We'll get to that in segment number one. In segment number two, why Jeremy Pruitt believes this group of coaches can be an improvement from what he had in year number one at Tennessee. A look at that as year number two will also include higher expectations for Tennessee's football team. You'll hear Barrett Salee of CBS Sports talking about that in the second segment of the show. And in segment number three, Tennessee will play Vanderbilt in basketball tonight. There will be something going on with the game that I think is far more important than the game itself. You'll hear Rick Barnes talk a little bit about that in the third segment of Locked on Vols, which is here five days a week. It's a daily Tennessee podcast. Thanks for being here. Welcome to new listeners to the show. I'm here five days a week talking about what's going on with Tennessee on Locked on Vols, your team every day. The Associated Press poll was updated on Monday, and of course, Tennessee dropped out of the number one spot. We knew that would happen coming out of the loss to Kentucky. The real question was, where would Tennessee fall to? And Tennessee fell four spots, which I think was about as far as you could have realistically expected Tennessee to fall. The top five now is Duke, Gonzaga, Virginia, Kentucky, and Tennessee. So the Vols fall four spots and notably behind Kentucky. And you can look at it a couple of different ways. Kentucky did beat Tennessee head-to-head and beat Tennessee handily on Saturday night. Kentucky does have four losses. Tennessee only has two. Kentucky also lost last week. Kentucky lost LSU. Now, I don't think Kentucky was really knocked with the loss to LSU because LSU is so well thought of. LSU moved up to number 13 in the AP poll, and I could argue that it should be even higher than that. So, Kentucky jumps Tennessee, Tennessee falls four spots, and that may seem harsh, but for this Tennessee basketball team, maybe it's good for the Vols as they suffered the loss that they did. Grant Williams said after the game, he's glad that it happened. Admiral Schofield said, yeah, we got our butts kicked and we've got to bounce back and play Tennessee basketball. You heard those comments on Monday's show. Now that Tennessee falls four spots in the poll, which really doesn't mean anything. I mean, if they're third, if they're fourth, if they're fifth, What's the difference for the Vols basketball team? I would say none. It does give Tennessee's coaching staff a chance to remind the players, hey, look, we haven't accomplished anything yet. That winning streak was great. But look at what happened at Kentucky. If it happens again at LSU on Saturday, if it happens once or twice moving forward the season, forget being in the top five in the poll. We're not going to be a number one seed or maybe even a number two seed in the NCAA tournament. So it's how Tennessee rebounds. And Grant Ramey of GoVols247.com brought up the fact that last year, in the middle of February, Tennessee lost by 28 points at Alabama. From there, Tennessee only lost one more game before playing in the championship game of the SEC tournament. 
Listen to what Rick Barnes said when that was brought up to him. You know what? I haven't thought about it. I should have uh, talked to you earlier. I probably could have used that with the team yesterday. But you know what? The fact is, and I know you guys get uh, probably tired of me saying it, it's today. you got to live in the moment. And uh, and you start thinking ahead. Are you are – you, are you still living in what you did yesterday? And I don't think there's any question that they, our guys were drifting without the real focus that we needed. And uh, if it takes something like that to wake you up, so be it. And you hate for it to happen, but it happens. It happens in real life. And when something comes along that unexpected and that happens, and you, it just makes you really assess some things. And But yesterday in the film, they, they understood. And uh, – I hope what you're saying can happen. I hope we can we can uh, again get going back where I then be the team that I know that we can be. That's the goal right now for Tennessee. That's the focus. And I could be wrong. We'll find out. But my guess here, my bet would be on Tennessee correcting some of its mistakes and working to get better after what happened on Saturday. And also, I would say most importantly, not getting punked the way that it did, not getting worked the way that Kentucky worked Tennessee on Saturday night. When Kentucky comes to town, I think Tennessee will go out there with the mindset that it needs to be the physical aggressor. And it may not win the basketball game, but I don't think we're going to see Tennessee get pushed around the way that it did on Saturday. And it's not just about the Kentucky game. Again, the LSU game coming up on Saturday is massive. If Tennessee loses that one, well, good luck on winning the SEC regular season championship, at least outright, because LSU right now is just a one-loss team in the league, and it has a win at Rupp, which is really difficult to do, obviously. Uh, LSU plays Florida tomorrow night at home. It's a very winnable game for LSU. So if LSU wins tomorrow night and then beats Tennessee on Saturday, well, the Tigers are the number one team in the conference ahead of Tennessee and Kentucky. Kentucky's a two-loss team in the league. That was a really important win for Kentucky to stay in the race this past weekend. So it starts with getting back to work against Vanderbilt tonight. Tennessee is a big favorite against the Commodores going into the game. And something else that Tennessee is going to be working on will be its defense. I'd say shutting down outside shooters. Vanderbilt has to be thinking, well, to have a chance on the road, we've got to knock down a bunch of shots. It's more than that. South Carolina, remember, hit 14 threes last week in Knoxville. But that is a big part of it. If you're trying to make up a big deficit, you probably need the long ball to go in for you. Tennessee needs to be better on the defensive end in defending the perimeter. And Rick Barnes on Monday talked about the defensive side. Why have the balls had issues there. Listen to what Rick Barnes said. Well, we are a better offensive team, and I think our guys think that, that we can just rely on that. Numbers have a lot to do with it. You know, we had two players a year ago that, whether they played many minutes or not, they kept the other guys on edge, and, and James Daniel and, and, and uh, Chris Darrington, because, you know, we guarded, and that's what we got to get. We haven't, we, we, we just haven't played with the same sense of urgency on the defensive end the way we need to. We haven't. Just little things, just as simple as where we pick the ball up, where we where we want to be guarding on the on the in the, in the half court, uh, how we want to play certain things, you know, ball screens. It's just we we haven't had the edge that we had a year ago, because last year we we really struggled at times to score, and uh, we just shot the ball, and that's we did that Saturday. I mean, some of the shots and things that we were doing, we weren't sharing the ball, getting shots blocked, not playing off two feet. Every guy thinking I got to go make something happen, as opposed to we have to make something happen. But defensively, it's a it's a mindset. There's no it's absolutely a mindset, and and we've uh, haven't had that the way we need to really all year long. 
gets back to the mindset for Tennessee on the defensive end. That's Rick Barnes on Monday meeting with the media. And one other thing that I thought of on Monday, as Rick Barnes mentioned a couple of guards, especially James Daniel, who was a regular part of the rotation last year, he was the one player in that rotation that did not return to Tennessee's team this season. Remember back in the offseason, Tennessee tried to bring in Quan Four, a guard who would have been a grad transfer playing at Tennessee for his senior season, and it did not work out for him to come to Tennessee. would have been transferring from Richmond. Instead, he transferred to Louisville, which is a top 25 team, and he's been playing about 20 minutes per game for Tennessee. Tennessee has had a shorter rotation at times, including this past Saturday. Four is a guy who maybe would have been able to come in off the bench and been able to help on the defensive end. I think that would have been a big part of it. He's not a great shooter, so he would have been a guy that would have been really experienced and could have helped as a lockdown defender. Tennessee did not get that in the offseason. Maybe that's something that has affected Tennessee on the defensive end as much as anything. That will be on the list of things for Tennessee to work on moving forward. As Tennessee gets ready for Vanderbilt coming up tonight at 7 o'clock, that'll be on ESPN. In the third segment of today's show, I'm going to tell you about something else going on with the basketball game tonight that means a lot to the people in Tennessee's basketball program. That's coming up a little bit later. Coming up next, Tennessee football. Jeremy Pruitt on why he believes this coaching staff will work really well together heading into year number two. And Barrett Salee of CBS Sports talking about expectations that will likely rise for Tennessee football. That's coming up right here on Locked on Vols. It's available five days a week on Apple Podcasts. If you have time to rate and review the show there on iTunes, that's a big help to the podcast. Thanks to everybody who has done that so far. You can find it on Google Play. Spotify, the third-party apps, and if you tell your smartphone when you get into the car, play podcasts. Locked on Vols, it should fire up for you. It's Locked on Vols, your team every day. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked on College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Tennessee will have a different-looking football staff heading into year number two. So when the Vols hit the practice field coming up in just a few weeks, uh, spring practice, that'll begin on March 7th, it'll be a different group. Now, there are only three new assistants, but with all the changes on the offensive side, plus a new defensive coordinator in Derek Ansley, Jim Chaney leading the offensive side, there could be some noticeable changes. We'll see. Jerry Garantano the other day was tweeting out a bunch of fire emojis talking about Jim Chaney's offense what that means, who knows. But Derek Ansley calling the plays, that's a big deal, I think, on the defensive side. It's at least something to pay attention to with how Tennessee's defense performs this year. And then you have a number of coaches coaching different positions. Chris Winkie's coaching quarterbacks to go along with Jim Chaney. He's going to be very involved, no doubt, with that position. He has to be. Uh, I would say that Jim Chaney could be influential in how the tight ends perform. He's had a lot of success at that position at a number of different schools while being the offensive coordinator. This past year, he coached tight ends at Georgia. Isaac Nada is the latest of his tight ends who will have an opportunity in the NFL. With Dominique Wood-Anderson, Jim Chaney could be very helpful at that position. 
But with coaches moving around on the offensive side, and it's not exactly balanced. You have six offensive assistants and four defensive assistants. That means Jeremy Pruitt will likely be very involved on that side of the football as well. Not calling plays on Saturdays, but game planning and I would still say what they're doing within a game every single week. Jeremy Pruitt at his press conference last week explained why he thinks this staff can work so well together and why it can be an improvement from the staff he had this past season. You know, having six guys offensively I think is important. Uh, when you have an offensive coordinator like Jim who really could coach any position, uh, especially in individual drills, you know, if, if, if the running backs need to work on something or wide receivers, tight ends, uh, quarterback, whatever position it is, he can kind of bounce around and look at it kind of like I can do on defense. You know, I'm really the fifth assistant on the defensive side of the ball. We have somebody in charge of every position, but I can kind of bounce around, and if, if there's something that needs to be tweaked or fixed, I can kind of oversee it. So Jeremy Pruitt will be involved in that way. Again, he'll, he'll be hands-on with the defensive side, talked about coaching cornerbacks. I'd say he'll work with Derek Ainsley on what happens there in the defensive backfield, but at different position groups, and that might include the offense as well, but I would say with Jim Chaney coming in to be the offensive coordinator, Jeremy Pruitt should want Chaney to essentially be the head coach of the offense, especially with him not being completely tied down with one position group. Like if he were just the quarterback's coach, not Chris Winkie, well, that could take up more time. So Chaney can be the head coach of the offensive side. Jeremy Pruitt can be the head coach of the defensive side. And there will, of course, be communication from one side to the other. That's really important. But uh, with this staff, I think that is creating more optimism among fans. I think players probably are as well. And that word that gets tossed around during the offseason every single year, expectations, those will continue to rise as well. They'll rise, one, just because you're entering year two. So now that you've seen a full season with Jeremy Pruitt as the head coach, he has been able to sign a full class that he just put together a few weeks ago. Now, they will be newcomers, but still, even Jeremy Pruitt himself has said, he would be counting on those guys to come in and help right away. That will play a role, at least, in expectations going up. That's also the case with a number of schools around the SEC. If you think about it, Jeremy Pruitt is one of five coaches entering his second season as the head coach in the league. You have Dan Mullen at Florida entering year two, and expectations are going to be really high there. Florida will likely be a preseason top 10 team in 2019. Joe Moorhead at Mississippi State will enter his second season, having replaced Dan Mullen a little more than a year ago. Mississippi State comes to Knoxville, by the way. Then you have Arkansas with Chad Morris. Year one was terrible, so of course expectations will go, go up there. Jimbo Fisher signed a $75 million contract at, at Texas A&M before last year. Expectations will rise there in College Station. And then you have Jeremy Pruitt entering year two at Tennessee. And I brought that up with Barrett Salee of CBSSports.com the other day. This was on Sports 180 in Knoxville, and we talked about year two, coaches heading into their second season, like Jeremy Pruitt is at Tennessee, that creating higher expectations, but also maybe more optimism, which I think we're finding in Knoxville right now. Especially considering, you know, they had, you know, Jared Garantano sort of up and down, but he showed flashes, especially against, uh, against Auburn on the road. Um, you know, offensively, they, um, you know, struggled a little bit up front, but they, they should be okay in that department next year. Um, you know, they've, they've got stuff to build on. They understand what uh, Jeremy Pruitt, you know, expects. But I think the biggest thing is, you know, you, you have to go through growing pains if you're a first-year head coach. Uh, Jerry, Jeremy Pruitt did that a little bit. You know, he had never done that. He, he, 
you know, he thinks he has what it takes to be a head coach going into the season and operates the program the way, you know, he thinks he wants to. But, you know, after one year in the following off season is when you make the biggest tweaks as a head coach, as a, you know, from a philosophical standpoint, from a game management standpoint. So there's plenty to be excited about if you're Tennessee. Um, you know, five and seven won't cut it. I think in the end, um, you know, the depth that Tennessee didn't have kind of um, kind of shined through. Uh, and maybe the fact that Jimmy Pruitt didn't properly prepare his players, you know, throughout the week mentally uh, to handle that pressure of potentially getting to a bowl game. Uh, next year, he, that'll probably change. Next year, he'll probably have a better idea of what he's doing. Um, you know, and, and these players will will have more, you know, familiarity with what he, with what he's asking them to do. So, I think there's plenty to be excited about if you're Tennessee. Barrett Salee of CBSSports.com. It's a reminder: Year one was a learning experience for Jeremy Pruitt as well. It was his first time being a head coach. So he's made some adjustments, and I'm sure that he will continue to look at that and self-evaluate this offseason as he gets ready for year two. When we talk about expectations going up, I think they should. Tennessee went 5-7 and seven this past year. Why would you expect them to do that again? If Tennessee goes 5-7 and seven this upcoming year, that would be extremely disappointing. And I don't think that's going to happen. I think Tennessee's going to get to a bowl game. But 6-6 six and six probably would be disappointing to a good number of fans as well. Expectations will go up. They should go up. You know who else will plan on better results in year two at Tennessee? Jeremy Pruitt, Tennessee's football coach. We're just a few weeks away from spring practice, and winter workouts are continuing. That's the main focus for Tennessee football right now. The roster could see some adjustments. There is the transfer market, which Tennessee has been active on right now. But over the next couple weeks, we'll take a look at players who need to have a big spring, who will be given an opportunity to step up and compete for playing time. That will include early enrollees. You have a number of guys in the 2019 class who were recruited and signed to come in and at least challenge for playing time right away. That'll be something to pay attention to over the next few weeks right here on Locked On Balls. Coming up in the third and final segment of today's show, tonight Tennessee will play basketball against Vanderbilt. There's something else that's going on that's even more important than the basketball game. I'll tell you about that and Rick Barnes will tell you about why it means so much to them Coming up here on Locked on Vols, your team every day. On Thursday, I'm going to work in a mailbag segment to the show. So if you have questions or comments for me, send them my way. You can connect with me on Twitter. I'm at Josh underscore Ward, as well as on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Josh Ward is my Facebook page. If you like the page, that'd be great. But you can send me messages there. Facebook.com slash Josh Ward. Tennessee announced on Monday that tonight's game between Tennessee and Vanderbilt will be Donate Life Night at Thompson Bowling Arena. As part of Donate Life Night, the Vols will wear special shooting shirts during warm-ups and on the bench for the game. Members of Tennessee's coaching staff will wear Donate Life lapel pins. Donate Life Tennessee will have a presence on the arena concourse with reps available to answer questions and provide information about organ and tissue donation. Before the game, organ transplant recipients and families of donors will form the human tea that Tennessee runs through when it takes the court prior to tip-off. And fans who attend the game tonight and use their mobile device to register as an organ or tissue donor from 5.30 through the end of the game will be invited onto the court to take a group photo with Tennessee head coach Rick Barnes following his post-game Vol Network radio interview. New registrants will be asked to show their registration confirmation email in order to access the court for the photograph that's from the release from Tennessee. The reason that this is so important to Tennessee is that Tom Satkoviak, who is the assistant athletics director at Tennessee 
and sports information director for men's basketball, had a liver transplant at Vanderbilt back in October. Tom had suffered from an incurable liver disease for 18 years before benefiting from the organ donation. Tom Satkoviak is absolutely one of the best in the business. He is a great person, and he's great at his job, and he makes a tremendous difference within Tennessee athletics, both with the student-athletes he works with and the staff members who work for him. Tennessee has a bunch of talented people at Tennessee, and a lot of them have been given the chance to grow and excel because of Tom's leadership at Tennessee. But don't take my word for it. Listen to what Rick Barnes said about Tom uh, when he spoke to the media on Monday, talking about Tom Satkoviak and the difference he's made at Tennessee. Well, you know, the first time that uh, when I first got here, uh, Dave Hart and John Gilbert were at Dave's house, and, and some people came over, and they were, I was talking about different things, and they said, well, we have a tremendous guy that works with uh, with basketball, and they mentioned Tom's – when he mentioned his name the first time, the last name, I said, I'll never learn to pronounce that. But uh, how, does, how does Siri pronounce it? Satkowiak. Yeah, you know. But uh, – when Tom came in one day and Dave said, we don't want, and he told, Dave told me of his situation, and they said, but we don't want you to act as if you know it because he's the kind of person like to come in and talk on his own. And so a couple of days later, I was one of the only few times that I was in that office. He came in at the time, I think you had a boot on. And uh, he came in and he said, as someone mentioned to you, I said, sort of, kind of, but he went into it. And uh, through that time, he and I have shared a lot of really good moments together. And uh, and like I said, when they did the big, big article on Tom, I don't think any of us really, 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 other than his closest people to him, knew how sick he really was. I mean, we saw it at times where a year ago, I think you missed some time during the last season where he couldn't travel with us. And uh, But you know what? He, you never heard him complain. I never, ever heard him one time, even if I would ask him how he was doing, he would find you know, and even though you could look at him and tell that he was he wasn't feeling great, and and you knew when he had to go back to wearing a boot or something like that. But I remember that day uh, when he called and said, uh, "I got the call," you know. And uh, then I remember uh, going over there. We we were planning on going that night, and uh, but I don't think you went to surgery the first night. We were going to leave Nashville and, and go there, and then but we came back the next day. But I. <laughs> What I remember that uh, we were we would we had just walked into the hospital, and uh, and uh, his wife had uh, his phone, and one of our players called and said or texted and said, "Tom, can you send me some photos of me?" <laughs> and I took the phone, and uh, I texted back and said, "Well, I'm in surgery right now, having my liver transplanted. Can I get back to you later?" <laughs> And that person wrote back to, "Oh, I'm so sorry. I hope it goes worse." I'm like, "I don't. Did you save those texts?" Yeah, but uh, the fact is, I mean, uh, you look at him now, and if you knew what we knew, and you see Tom today, I would say this: that you should always want to know that when you can donate something, when your, your time is up, you should want to do it because the, he's got a new life. I mean, he is a new man. He's a person. I mean, he's gotten to be better looking, and. Uh, he, but he's a different – I mean, but he, he was a guy that was strong with it. But I am telling you, uh, watching how he lives and the fact that uh, it's given him a new life. I mean, because he was – I don't know how much longer you could have gone without with what he had. And uh, 
So his story has touched me and a lot of people around him, and, and I can only imagine. Um, I can't. I can't imagine my life without him in it. I really can't. And so I'm thankful for the fact that that someone did what they did, and it was a match. And uh, I would just encourage everybody to be an organ donor in any way they can, and and give life to someone else when your time is up. That's Rick Barnes. As you can tell, Tom Sakoviak means a lot to Rick. He's meant a lot to Tennessee. And Tom is one example of many great things about the University of Tennessee. So tonight will be Donate Life Night at Thompson Bowling Arena. If you've considered registering as an organ donor, I would encourage you to do so. Hopefully tonight will help with that encouragement as well. Basketball will be the biggest focus tonight, and there's nothing wrong with that. But it's about more than basketball tonight, and I think that's pretty cool as well. Thanks so much for hanging out here today on Locked on Vols. I'll be back tomorrow. I'll have a recap of tonight's game. We'll talk more Tennessee football on tomorrow's show. The show's here five days a week talking about what's going on with Tennessee. It's Locked on Vols. My name's Josh Ward. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you here tomorrow. Oh,